You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've been a pastor a long time. People always ask me, how long have you been a pastor? And I've been a pastor for a long time. And, and like 20 years ago, if someone would you know, ask me what I did and I would say pastor, you got a very specific response. They'd be like, oh, pastor, that's so nice. Isn't that so nice? We have a pastor here. How nice, right? It was just so nice. But now, if someone asks me what I do and I say pastor, they're like, oh, Oh, okay, okay, all right, uh, I've got a, a pastor here, all right, all right. And I'll tell you what, in the last 20 years, a lot has changed. In the last 15 years, in the last five years, in the last one year, in our nation, a lot has changed. I've got to tell you something, there was once a time, actually for most of America's history, Christians had a place of privilege. And we do not anymore, but that's okay. That's okay, because I want you to think about something. I want you to think about when Jesus came on the scene, the climate he came into, this anti-Christian climate. And God did so much in that time that here we are 2,000 years later still singing there's no other name like his. And so we don't have to be afraid that everything in America is changing right now, but we do have to figure out how to respond to it. And so tonight, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about a couple of questions that are coming up right now as our world around us changes. The first question is this, how do we live for God in a world where it is more and more difficult to live for him? So we have all these kind of temptations in our lives. There's this sort of, you know, this almost pull toward feeling and thinking and doing the things that everyone around us is doing. And so how in this day and age do we still live it, right? And I think here's where we struggle in this. I think a lot of us, especially at our night services, we have a lot of younger people in the room, I think a lot of us just really struggle with this whole idea of blending in, you know? Like, does God call us to stand out? Maybe, but, but it's just so much easier to blend in. As I go to school, as I go to work, as I'm with my friends, as I'm with my family, it's just so much easier to kind of just get pulled along with the current and what everybody else is doing. So how, in 2019, do we live for God? Second question is this, how do we make a difference for God in a world that doesn't want much to do with him, right? How do we impact the culture when it seems like they don't really want God, when they really don't have an appetite to hear about Jesus? What do we do? And here, here is our struggle in this. I think some of us wrestle with this idea of blending in and doing what the world around us does, but others of us, as we're trying to make an impact on our culture, we have a different struggle. Our struggle is this, we don't blend in, we blow up. We get crazy when people think differently than we do. We begin to argue. We begin to get upset. We begin to maybe even lash out a little bit at someone who believes differently than we do. We treat them badly. And so there's these two tendencies, I think, that we struggle with. One is this blending in and one is this blowing up. But there's this third option I want to talk with you about tonight. And that's what Jesus calls us to. And that's the answer to both living for God and standing up and making a difference in the times that we live in. And so I want to cast vision for this tonight, and this is so important. It matters that we get this right for our own soul's sake and for the souls that we're supposed to impact. And so this is a huge deal that we talk about this. Now, some of you guys are like, wow, this sounds like a doom and gloom message, Doug. Like, you know, what's the deal here? This is not a doom and gloom message. Do you know why? Because I believe with all my heart that God is still about to do some of the most amazing things he's ever done. In fact, I meet with pastors all the time. My dad actually leads a group of pastors on Long Island. I had lunch with 20 pastors this past Thursday. And do you know what we would all agree upon? We would all agree that even though the world is getting, you know, very, very different, it's changing a lot, even though it's getting a little more challenging to be a follower of Jesus, we would all agree that God's doing something in the churches on Long Island that we have never seen in our lifetime. 
And so, no, this is not doom and gloom. This is not run for the hills. It's just what do we do? It's how do we respond so that we're still living for God and making the impact that he wants us to make. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. And you might be thinking, what am I going to get out of this? Like, I'm not a follower of God. And here you are saying some things about, you know, feeling a little bit less privileged in this world now as a follower of Jesus. And I'm not a follower of Jesus. And so how do I relate to all this? Well, first off, let me start out by apologizing to you. Let me start out by saying, if we as Christians hadn't blended in and blown up like we have, you might have a different perspective of who Jesus is. So I'm going to start there and say, I'm so sorry. If, if we have blended in when we should have stood up and stood out to live a different life, and let me apologize, if any Christian's ever blown up at you, that's not what Jesus is about. But let me also say that throughout the course of tonight, I hope you see an amazing thing that Jesus did for you. And so we're going to look at some really awesome scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 2. And Peter was writing to a culture way more tricky than us. But look at what he has to say. It applies to where we are now. He says this in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. That's where he starts. He starts out by saying, guys, you know what? You are foreigners. Like you're not supposed to fit in here, okay? And that's where some of us get tripped up right off the bat. We're trying to be liked. We're trying to fit in with the world around us. We're trying to make this home. And, and Peter's reminding us, this is not home. Heaven is home. And while we're here, we're supposed to actually look like foreigners. When my wife and I went to Mexico on our honeymoon, everyone was speaking to her in Spanish because they thought she was from there. Not one person spoke to me in Spanish because it was obvious who I was. They're all looking at, who, how'd you get this beautiful woman? But we don't know who you are, right? And so it was so clear that I was a foreigner. I stood out. And you know what? In this world, not because of the color of our skin or our accent or our ethnicity, we're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be known as foreigners, and sometimes we wrestle with this whole idea of bunning in. So Peter says, hey, I want you to start by recognizing who you are and not trying to make it all about here and not trying to look like everybody else and be liked by everybody around you. Because if that's happening, you're probably not following Jesus like you should be. And I'm preaching at my own heart here too. It's easy to get drawn into this. It's easy to be comfortable here. But God calls us to something greater. And so please, know that I'm preaching to myself tonight as well. But this is going to play itself out in the little decisions we make every day and the big values we carry throughout our life. Living like a foreigner in an exile is going to play out in those two different ways. And we're going to see that unfold as we go. And so let's finish the verse. It says in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, and here's how Peter says where to live, to abstain from sinful desires. In other words, one of the ways we stand out one of the ways people know that we are Jesus's and that this world is not our home and we're not making everything about here and now is that we abstain or we draw back from or we refrain from sinful desires. And so this amazing difference should be seen in our lives. Now you might be sitting there going, Doug, I, I knew I'd hear this in church. Like I knew some guy like you would get up on stage and say, don't do this, don't do that. And I don't get why God says this. How come I can't just do what feels good? How come I can't just do what my friends are doing? Well, look at the next part. See, God never tells us to do something without having a great reason for telling us. And so in the next part, we find out why. He says this, which wage war against your soul. God, why should I do things your way? God, why can I not just go along with culture right now? Because those sinful desires wage war against your soul. 
Like they're not messing around, you know? When I was younger, I got into this wrestling thing with, a, with another guy. We're just being dumb. You know how guys are dumb. You just punch each other or whatever, right? And so I, whatever, me and this guy are just kind of going at it, and I'm just messing around. Next thing I know, he has me in a headlock, and I'm like, I can't breathe. Like it was bad, you know? Like I thought it was the end, you know? And you know what? I realized something in that moment. I was messing around. He waged war. And some of us in our lives, we messed around just a little bit. It was like so innocent almost, we thought, right? I'm just going to mess around with alcohol. And alcohol waged war back on us. Guys, I'm walking through right now with several people in our church, people who just messed around with alcohol a little bit, and it came back and destroyed a lot. Some of us, I just messed around a little bit with that lust thing, man. It wasn't the end of the world. I wasn't doing anything horrific or perverted. It was just... And it came back and waged war on us. I was just messing with pride a little. I was messing with gossip a little bit, and it waged war on me. And so, man, God knows that when you and I begin to mess with this stuff, it doesn't end how we think it's going to end. And I've been saying for years, sin is not our friend. Some of us kind of cozy up next to sin. Sin is not our friend. And so Peter says, guys, if you want to live for God in this world, in 2019, I mean, he's talking 2,000 years ago, like I said, to a much more tricky culture. But in 2019, if we want to live for God, it's going to start by us saying, okay, I'm not going to blend in. I'm not going to get pulled aside with the things that are pulling everybody else aside. I'm not going to be okay with all the things that culture is throwing at me right now. And a lot of you guys go to you know, secular, secular universities. A lot of you guys hang out with people who are going down certain paths. There's a lot of people who are influential over your lives. Some of us who are older in the room working with people who just, man, they just, they just hate God, right? And it's so easy to get drawn into this stuff. And so Peter just says, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to look like this foreigner, and here's how it works. you got to Make sure you're, you're not giving in to sinful desires. And the reason it's so important, Peter says, because I care about your soul and this will destroy your soul. It'll wage war on it. And so this is going to play itself out, like I said, in the little decisions we make and the big values we carry throughout our lives. So let's talk about the little decisions we make each day. Would you read this with me? The thousands of little decisions we make each day impact our relationship with Jesus. If I'm trying to get to the back of the room and I take one step that way, by the end of the room, I'm off to the side. Forget that. If I'm trying to get to like Comac and I take one step off, I'm in like CI now, right? Like one little step and I'm miles off course. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. It's just that little step off course. And some of you guys might say, man, I, I just, I feel like far from God, Doug. Like I'm not doing horrible, horrific things, but I feel far from God. Well, let me ask you a question. How many little off, uh, steps off course have you taken, you know? Like, if you say, well, you know, honestly, Friday, man, I, I started out my day by cursing somebody out on the LIE. You're like, what, that's weird? I do that every day. No, it's a, it's a, it's a hard road to drive on, right? And so, you know, that's, that's how I start my day. And then I get to school or I get to the office and me and some of my buddies, man, we just kind of like completely like tore apart the new guy behind his back. And then at lunch, I took my phone out. I was looking at some stuff on my phone. It wasn't like porn, but it was, it was probably not pure. And, but I was just sort of doing that. And then I got home. I freaked out on my family. And I just had a couple of drinks and I went to bed. Like, I'm not surprised you feel far from God. Like, no, you're not doing the worst things in the world, but those little choices, those, those many little steps off course lead us so far away from where God wants us to be. And Peter says, no, no, no. See, we have to stand out. We have to make sure that we're 
as soon as we're off the path, we're recognizing and getting back on. Guys, everyone look me in the eyes. God loves you. God loves you so much. But Doug, you just described me. I'm a million miles off course. God loves you, wants you, died for you, gave his life to make you his own. But let's not be okay with the little compromises that get us so far off course when they're waging war against our soul. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that as soon as we recognize that we're living kind of like we belong here, like we're just like everybody else, as soon as we realize that we go, God, forgive me. I just realized I'm headed this way. And God, I need to come towards you. I repent. I'm sorry. Forgive me and empower me. See, that's the thing. Some of us in this room are like, Doug, this sounds great and all, but I don't know how to live this. I've been trying to do the right thing. We got to be near Jesus, right? You guys are going to get tired of me saying that, but I could preach the same message every week because Jesus and that closeness with him is always the answer. We could be talking about dating. We could be talking about marriage. We could be talking about purity. We could be talking about forgiveness. We could be talking about addiction. It's all the same answer. Closeness with Jesus is what empowers us to live the way God calls us to live. And so don't try this without praying. Don't try this without being here. Don't try this without a friend who loves Jesus and loves you that can walk through this with you and encourage you. Don't try this without opening up the word of God every day. That's where it is. That's where it is. And so the little steps we take off course matter more than we think. But what about the big values we carry through life? You see, this is just as important right? Peter says, you're going to look like foreigners. Okay, it's going to play itself out in the little decisions I make every day, but it also is going to play itself out in the big values or the beliefs that I carry through my life, right? And here is the deal. Either we will inform ourselves on what we believe is right and wrong. We will let culture inform us on what, we believe, or on what they believe is right and wrong, or we will let God inform us, even on the big things. Abortion, that's the hot topic right now in culture, or we could just decide what we should do? Or should we allow God to inform that? Right? Sex, sexuality, all these big hot topics right now. Are we going to just do what everyone else is doing, believe what everyone else is believing? Or are we going to say, God, what do you have to say about this? Would you inform me on this? Because God, if I'm honest, it's easy to get just pulled along and make it feel like everything's about here and now. Peter says, no, stand out, stand out. Be near Jesus, stand out. What about making a difference in the world though, right? All right, so that's a, a pretty intense challenge, Doug, to, to do things God's way, even when it's hard. But, but what about making a difference in the world? It's one thing to try to keep myself where I need to be and on the path. How am I gonna help anybody else get there? Well, let's keep going here. This next part seems a little bit strange. It almost seems like it goes against what Peter said, but let's just check it out. Verse 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so Peter says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live such good lives that they display who God is, right? And so how do you make an impact on this world? By living differently, right? See, the truth is this. Sometimes we blend in too much to make a difference, isn't that true? Sometimes as we go through our school, as we are in our office, you know, in office, we're working with other people, we're in our homes, sometimes we just blend in. We look too much like everybody else to make a difference. And Peter here is trying to help us understand that when we live these lives that make a difference, others are going to be drawn to us. See, here's the lie I know I have believed and wrestled with, and I bet you do too. The lie is this, Doug, if I stand apart too much, I will no longer be relatable. 
Like my friends won't want to reach out to me because I'll be that weird person, you know what I mean? Like no one wants to be around that weird person. I gotta tell you some truth though right now. Isn't it true that when people hit rock bottom, they don't call the person who lives like they do. They call the person who stands out. And so let's talk about how this plays out. The little things, the little things, all right? Those little choices. Remember, if we get one step off course, we're going to be far from Jesus if we continue down that road. So let me ask you some uncomfortable questions as I ask myself some uncomfortable questions. Are are the movies and the entertainment and the things you're watching online and that kind of stuff, are those the kind of things that make you blend in or stand out? I had to stop watching several of my favorite shows this past year. I was really bummed because I feel like, man, I've invested my time in like four seasons. You know what I mean? Like, I know these people. These are my people, you know? Billy went in the cave. What happened to Billy, right? Like, I must know, right? But do you know what? I just, I'd be sitting there and, and I'd be like, oh man, like, God really wouldn't be cool with that happening, you know? And all right, just, all right, I just, all right, the part's over. Okay, cool, 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 okay. Oh, but God wouldn't be cool with that part either. And oh, All right, I fast forward. All right, change the channel. All right, cool. Bob Ross is painting something about three minutes. All right, I'm back. Okay, great, right? Got a couple of happy clouds. Shady parts gone, right? How many times are you going to do that, right? And so I just eventually was like, I got to I gotta just, man, delete, 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 stop recording, not going to record anymore, not getting that one, right? I don't know what happened to Billy. It's all right. I'd rather be close to Jesus, right? I'd rather know that he's okay and we're okay. And so that entertainment stuff, guys, again, I'm nobody. I, you know, I, I, I walk off course every day. I take steps off course every single day of my life, right? But, but what are those things in our lives, those little choices, right? What about the entertainment or the music, rather, that we listen to, right? There's some, there's some great music out there, right? I'm not one of these guys who's like, you have to only listen to Christian music. But, but man, there's a lot of trash out there, right? And, and is it true that, that maybe sometimes the stuff we're listening to is causing us to blend in more than stand out, Right? And, and in the moment of someone else's great need, when the bottom falls out in their life, they're not going to go, oh, cool, let me reach out to that kid who listens to all the same trash I do. Where's that Christian that, like, what's all that stuff about Jesus? I don't, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe give him or her a call, right? What about the way we talk, right? The speech that comes out of our mouths. Does it help us stand apart, or does it help us or cause us to rather blend in? And so that's kind of how this plays out in the little things, living these good lives so we can make an impact, Right? What about the big things? Are you letting God inform you? Are you letting his word inform you on those tough things that, that the people in your classrooms, man, they're saying the exact opposite of everything I'm saying tonight, right? The people in your offices, the exact opposite of everything I'm saying tonight. But again, we're gonna allow God to influence and inform us or we're gonna get dragged along with culture. Then look at what Peter says next about how to make a difference. And this is kind of an interesting thing. Verse 13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So it's now, it's like, wait a minute, Peter, it sounds like you're going against what you just said. You just said I should stand out. Now you're saying I should submit. Like, which one is it? Well, it's pretty simple. In fact, Peter himself was a great example of this. In Acts chapter 5, he gets arrested because he was telling everybody about Jesus. And so they say, look, if you keep saying that Jesus rose back from the dead and that we killed him, but he rose back anyway, then I'll tell you what, you're going to stay, stay in this prison cell. And, and you know what Peter said? He said, I must obey God rather than men. And so it's really simple. We, we obey and submit to our earthly leaders, to our, our politicians and to all those rulers until they start telling us, which guys, wake up, we're, we're living in this world. It's changing, starting to more and more become a thing that they're starting to legislate that we have to live a certain way. 
And, and this is not doom and gloom. This is, wow, this is how we respond now. This is how we be his church. This is how we be his people. But as soon as they start to legislate in ways that say we can't follow God, we, we have to look above them and say, okay, God, I'm gonna do things your way. And this is right here the critical point. This is where we get it wrong so often. Not the people in this room necessarily, but the church at large. Right here. It's in how we do this. Because watch what Peter says next. He says, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. He doesn't say, by arguing louder. He doesn't say, by posting more hateful social media posts. He doesn't say, by throwing stuff and, and yelling and he says, no, no, by, by doing good, you'll silence that talk. And then verse 17, just as important, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God, honor the emperor. And so here now, he's talking to those of us who, who don't blend in, but we blow up, right? We get so enraged at what the world is doing that we blow up. And guys, listen, we should get enraged at some things. There's a holy anger, a righteous anger that should fill our hearts when certain things happen around us. But even Jesus, as we're going to see in a minute, was very careful about how he acted in those moments when he was filled with that righteous anger. And so how do you and I respond when someone comes at us? Listen, guys, I get it, man. When someone challenges my beliefs, I, yeah, I get heated, man. I feel that, right? And so how do we respond in the midst of that? Like, how can we respond with honor and respect and love? How can we, instead of blowing up or just deciding, I can't even talk to these people, right? I'm just going to go be safe in my Christian huddle, right? That's not what God's calling us to either. And so some of us, to avoid blowing up, just completely retreat. No, no, no. We have to be on the front line right now if we're going to impact our culture and make a difference. And so how do we do this? Like, what does this all look like? And remember, this is all about being near Jesus. It's all about being close to him. Out of that is going to come the ability to do all this. But I just want to let you know, next Sunday in the morning, we're going to talk about living lives of freedom as opposed to living lives of guilt and shame. Because some of you guys right here, man, you've walked in tonight and you're just so full of all of that. And even as I've talked tonight, you feel like I'm heaping guilt and shame on you? I am not. I'm fighting for your freedom. We're going to talk about that ne next Sunday morning. And then next Sunday night, Joe, who did announcements here tonight, is going to speak. And he's going to talk about still this tension of wrestling with what God would have us do versus wrestling with the things this world has to offer. And so come back next week. Invite somebody next week. But let's continue on in this because Peter says, all right, you want to know how to make a difference when people have different opinions than you? You want to know how to impact those who think differently? Look at this. Let me point you to Jesus. In verse 22, talking about Jesus, he says, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. This is, guys, leading up to the cross. This is them mocking him. This is them beating him, ripping his beard out, putting a robe on him, and, and chanting that he's the king, and making a complete mockery of him. And Jesus does not retaliate, and he makes no threats. And instead, he entrusted himself to him who just, uh, judges justly. If you're not a follower of Jesus, listen to this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Rather than retaliate against sinful mankind, Jesus gets on the cross to save us. That's how much he loves you tonight. If you're in here tonight, you don't know Jesus. That's how much he wants you. This is the mind-blowing thing he did. 
so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. By the wounds of Jesus, the nails that went through his hands and his feet, the, the, the horrible beatings that he took, by those wounds you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Can I tell you guys something? If anyone in all of human history had the right in any moment to come and rise up against sin and people who didn't think like they did to argue and or retaliate even physically and snap his fingers and annihilate all of them, it was Jesus in that moment. But instead of taking out that righteous anger on those people, he allowed God to take out that righteous anger on him in their place. Do you guys see what God's calling us to? Do you guys see the way that we make a difference in the world today? You guys see that we can't blend in, but we also can't blow up. There's this third option. And so here's what I want to say to you today. God hasn't called you to blend in or blow up, but make a difference for him. He just hasn't called you to one of those other extremes. The thing he's called you and me to is to make a difference for him. And I want to shorten that so you remember it this week. Just a few words. If you could just remember this this week, walking into school, walking into work, interacting with your neighbors and friends, it's this. Don't blend in or blow up. Make a difference. That's it right there. If we could live that, that's how we do this in 2019. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to make a difference. So let me ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to do something I think is going to be real powerful tonight. What little changes do you need to make? What little changes, those little steps that maybe you've gone off course so that you're not blending in anymore, but that you're making a difference in people's lives. And, and are any of you guys here tonight, maybe on the other side of it, saying, man, my thing's not blending in so much. It's more this blow-up mode, man. I just go at people. What are, the, what are the little things that you can do in that moment? What, what nearness to Jesus is going to change that for you? So you can talk with someone who doesn't think like you or believe like you and still love them and still respect them and still honor them because that's how you make a difference. Some of you guys, uh, and I know if I were sitting where you're sitting right now, I would be thinking this. I, I hear what you're saying, Doug, but I don't know how to practically do this. Like I, I get it and I know what I should do, but I don't, like really know how to leave this room and go live it. And so tonight what I want to do is have someone coming up here who I think is doing a great job of this. And so in just a minute, I'm going to have Doreen come up here who is making this impact by not blending in and not blowing up by instead actually making a difference. So would you guys just welcome Doreen up here? All right. Awesome. So Doreen is the head of Soundview Pregnancy, and you know we, we have a great relationship with these guys and love to support them. And um, uh, Doreen is also my stepmom, which is really cool, and that was my awesome dad who helped her up the steps because someone stole our nice steps, so my dad helped her up the, the nasty steps there, so thank you for that. But tonight, the reason I want Doreen to come and talk with you guys is because there have been so many conversations recently about abortion. There have been so many conversations recently about all these laws that have changed. And I think so often what happens is, as Christians, we go, okay, either I'm going to blend in, I'm going to keep my mouth shut about this, and I'm going to adopt everybody else's views, or I'm going to blow up, freak out on people, and that's going to push them away, right? 
And so what I want tonight is I want Doreen, because she deals with the topic of abortion on a daily basis, I want her to talk about that, but way more than that, and she knows this, way more than that, I want us to be able to learn how to transfer what she's doing to all the big conversations that are happening in culture. Like, what would it look like to do what Doreen is doing with abortion and, and, and these pregnancies that are in crisis and bring that to all the other conversations that you're going to face this week? Because you can either blend in or blow up or make a difference. And these guys are doing a great job of making a difference. So, first off, Doreen, you can let everybody know who you are and a little bit about you and why I'm your favorite stepson. So. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be, I'm the only one. I'm the yes, only stepson. Yes, That's how no, I could not be. Yeah. No, I, well, no, I'm so blessed to uh, to be a part of uh, the Jansen family. So, and just very blessed to be here, part of you tonight, part of this family tonight, the Living Word family. So, thank you for having me. Um, please do not fear. Abortion is a very, very, very difficult topic. Believe me, I know. I live and breathe this on a daily basis, and I um, I live in this world and. Um, and I understand, so I'm, I don't want to be a downer, but I want to show you the joy and the hope that there is surrounding this issue. Um, but um, as most of you know, I'll just jump right into the, the law that was passed. Um, I think this is what God is, is using for good, what the enemy meant for evil, God is using for good. Who is aware of the fact that a new law was just passed in New York State regarding abortion. Okay, so everybody is up in arms, so upset, the social media is on fire, the anger and the condemnation flying back and forth, and I'm just, I'm just sitting back and I'm watching this, and um, I'll just tell you basically what the law says is that a woman can abort her child up until the time of birth, like the day before she's gonna give birth, she can still choose to have an abortion. Now the law says that if it, if it jeopardizes the woman's health, and that could mean emotionally or physically, and it's up to the doctor or the medical professional who is making this decision to decide you know, what that level is. So there's a lot of room for just very, you know, a lot of ambiguity there. Um, and so it's, the personhood of the unborn is really under attack, and the value of human life, this really is a sanctity of life issue. Um, in addition to the fact that she can have an abortion up until the moment before birth, if a crime was committed against a woman who's pregnant in her seventh, eighth, ninth month, up until this law was passed, that criminal would have been convicted of two murders. Now, they have stricken that. I've actually read the law, and there's a red line through this particular part of the law that says that it would only be one homicide. So we have just totally devalued this human life. And so this is what's happening in our culture, is that we are just pushing the line further and further and further as to who has value in our, in our society. So that's basically where we are today in New York. Okay. Yeah. Why do you believe that an unborn child is alive? Well, you know, it's that circular reasoning. Well, because God said so. Um, the Bible does say, you know, we, we are created in God's image. It says right in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis is that God created us in his image. And then further in Psalm 139, uh, just a beautiful scripture, for you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. And then in Jeremiah, um, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. 
So every life that is created is created by God with a destiny and with a purpose and is a child of God and has value because this child, every child, you and I and Doug, every, every one of us were knit together in our mother's womb and God had an intention for you and he still does and he has a special plan for each and every one of you. And so we, as a culture today, really, and as Christians and believers, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, to value what he values and protect what he created and what he wants to protect. And, um, you know, that's from a biblical, scriptural point of view. But in my office, I get to actually see these lives in the womb. And at six, seven, eight weeks, this heart is beating, and you can see the arms and the legs, and you can see this life is forming, and it is truly beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It never gets old, and it is a life. It is a child. Awesome. Yeah. What do you say to someone who's thinking of having an abortion? You know, this is a really tough predicament for any woman to be in, and what we want to tell women who walk through our doors, first of all, is that they are loved. I think that's the most important message that a woman needs to hear in that moment because in that moment, it doesn't matter if you're pro-life, you're pro-choice, you're Republican, Democrat, you're a believer in Jesus or you're not. Your life, and and I'm telling you, we see women coming in from churches, one in four women who have had abortions, they did a study on this, a national study, regularly attend church. So this, you know, is the result of those little compromises that now have led these these girls, these poor girls, into this situation now where there's a really devastating decision that they have to make. And so we want them to know, look, you are loved. We're here for you. We're going to help you and support you and figure out how we can address some of these concerns that you're having. They're very real fears. Fear is the number one driving emotion that will cause a woman to go Even if she doesn't believe that she's doing the right thing, she will go and abort that child if she fears that her relationship will end, she'll get kicked out of her house, she'll embarrass her family, she won't get her scholarship, she won't finish her degree. There's a mountain of reasons why. And you can understand them from a, you know, from a, you can understand them, but we know, talk about waging war on your soul, that she thinks that in that moment that that's the right decision, But what she doesn't know and what the men don't know is after you choose to take a life, you will live with the consequences of that decision for the rest of your life. You think you're going to be free, but it's the enemy just kind of sucking you in and saying, you can have it all, you can just get rid of this, no big deal, but it stays with you. And anybody in here who may have had this experience, and I know that there are always men and women who have had this experience, you know what I'm saying is true. And so we want to honor life, and we want to honor you. We want to honor you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you got there. But what I would say is don't make a decision that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. You are loved, and there's help available to you, and that's why we exist. We want to extend the hands and feet of Jesus in that moment. And um, one last thing, and I'm sorry. I'll no, just, I'll go for it. Wrap this up by just saying... When we think of how Jesus dealt with sin, and, uh, you know, we typically will talk about the woman at the well. You know, this is a woman who had a lot of relationships, and Jesus said, go get your husband, and, he, and she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, yes, this is true. 
because she's had, you know, she's just been one of those women who just kind of had a lot of relationships. And what he told her in that moment was that what she was looking for, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. And that's where I think a lot of young women are today. You are searching and searching for someone to love you and to show you that you have value. And you're thinking that you have to have sex to do that. And you're thinking that in order to keep this man in your life, this is what you need to do. And Jesus is saying, I am who you need. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the living water. Come to me and you will never thirst again, and you will know what love is. And so now I sit across the, the couch, this girl's pregnant, now what do I do? I want her to know Jesus in that moment. I want her to know a love that she's never known before. And, and I want her life to be healthy and whole. And that's through Christ, that is through Christ. And it's an opportunity to share him in that moment. Awesome. What do you say to someone who has had an abortion? Oh, actually, before I ask that, I just yeah. wanted to highlight something that you said, which I think was so great. As we try to respect and honor and love people in conversation, I think what Doreen said was so amazing. Like, think about the last person you argued with about something having to do with a cultural debate or something. Imagine if you had started the conversation saying, look, first off, before we talk, I just want to let you know you're loved. And like, we're, we're going to just be okay as we have this conversation. And number two, she talked about listening first and how she, they stop and they hear the story and they hear how the person got there. And now, okay, I can understand the pain behind that. Like, imagine taking that into our other conversations that we're going to experience this week, right? So just interesting how you guys have done that. It's incredible. Yeah, I think people need to know that you value them first. Great. before the position that they take on a particular cultural topic. People need to know that you value them. And when they know that you're listening to them, they will trust you. And now you can have a conversation. So whether it's abortion, sex, sexuality, whatever the issues are, people have value, and, yes. and we need to communicate that value to each and every person. Yeah. Okay, so now to the question, uh, what would you say to someone who has had an abortion? Yeah, this is really hard. Um, this is a wound, as I mentioned, that is so painful. And many women and men walk around with the secret shame, the secret that they don't know what to do with, and it just eats, eats them alive. And I, and I know this, and, I, and I've seen women come who've had abortions 30 years ago. What I'll say to you is God's grace is greater than your abortion. God's grace, his forgiveness, and his healing is available to you, and it has power to heal you from the inside out if you will allow him to heal you. I think what we do is we say, you know, not that sin, not that one. I know, you, God, you've forgiven me for lying and for this, that, and the, but not that sin. Well, when we can come to the realization that God's grace is greater than anything that you could ever do, that you've ever done before or that you ever will do again, then what you're doing is you're honoring what God, Jesus did on the cross for you. If you're saying, no, I can't let that one go, what you're saying is your sacrifice wasn't enough. That's almost like a prideful position to take, like my sin was so great that I can't receive your forgiveness. And, and I'm just asking you to reconsider, allow yourself, give yourself permission to receive that healing, that healing balm of Christ's forgiveness because he died for you. He wants you to be free and whole. He suffered for you and for me. Every day, every day, we can receive the healing that he has for us, and it's available. 
And if there's anyone that you're sitting here and, and you've experienced this or you know somebody who has, we offer post-abortion recovery healing, and women have been set free. And then now they're turning around and they're helping other people. You know, the enemy wants to keep us in bondage. Jesus wants us to be free. So let's, let's just accept that. Let's receive that freedom. Awesome. This morning you shared uh, an awesome win yeah. uh, over the last two years. If you could just share about that yeah. and sort of the analogy. Yeah. Um, in the last two years, through Soundview, we've been able to rescue over 100 babies from abortion. And it's just an amazing ministry where we get to see these lives born and these women's lives transformed. It's just absolutely amazing. But, you know, as I thought about that number and I thought about the fact that 100 children is like the equivalent of four kindergarten classes. And I just love that visual. You know, all these little lives are on this planet because of the love of Jesus being expressed through our ministry. And it's just amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Last question. How do we as Christians stand out and stand up against the issues like this, but in a loving and respectful way? And again, this is what I want to be portable. This is what I want you to take with you and apply to all the other things going on in culture right now so that we can have an impact. Yes. Well, I think, you know, as I think we've been talking about that, but um, I have, there's a scripture that I particularly like in Philippians. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. And that's what I think as, as believers we do. We have to hold out the word of life. We don't, you know, not with, fish, you know, with our fists clenched, but with our arms open, holding out the word of life. And, you know, the last thing I want to say is that the love that drove Jesus to the cross, that conquered sin and death, is the same love that casts out fear. Mm. And again, the number one driving emotion in this particular issue is fear. And, and just loving people through their circumstances is really what is going to make the difference in that moment. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Let me just wrap this up by saying, guys, if we can learn to get this right, man, the potential in this room, the potential in this church is so huge. There are so many hurting. There are so many wounded, not just dealing with abortion, but all types of struggles in life. And the big message of the church has been to many of these people, you're not welcome here, you're not wanted here, right? And so, man, if we would instead begin to say, no, we love you, we, we want to reach out to you, we want to stand for truth, yes. And, and there are times to be outraged and have righteous anger, but let it play itself out like Jesus in love. And let it come out, yes, I'm going to make a difference, yes, but it's going to be through reaching these people who are hurting, not through screaming at them, right? And so, don't blend in or blow up. Make a difference. You guys have such potential. This generation, so many of you, man, you have such potential to live this differently than even my generation did. And so I'll just plead with you to be these kind of people that make a difference. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard tonight what Jesus did for you. That instead of wiping out humanity when he could have so easily in that moment, he instead was punished in our place. If you want to put your trust in him and enjoy some of the freedom that Doreen's talking about tonight, then I would encourage you to pray with me in just a minute. But let's live differently. Don't blend in or blow up. Make a difference. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful, God, that, Lord, you've given us an opportunity to be men and women who follow you. Men and women who live at this time. It is not a mistake that we're alive in 2019. God, you've placed us here on purpose for this time. And God, I believe that you want to use us 
And so would you please help us? If you're a follower of Jesus, can you pray about something for a minute? Can you pray, God, do I tend to blend in or blow up? And God, if I tend to blend in, would you just help me with these specific things? I want you to get real specific. God, here's how I'm blending. It's the stuff I'm watching on TV. It's the way I treat people. It's the pride that I just allow to run rampant in my life. Or maybe if you're somebody that blows up, God, God, help me in those moments just to keep my cool and represent you well. And so would you just pray through that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, though, I'd love for you to pray with me now. If you want to put your trust in him and just receive this forgiveness we've been talking about throughout the night, then I encourage you to just pray silently. Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. Thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for forgiving me and wanting me. Thank you, God, though I have taken those 10 million steps away, that tonight it's one step back to you. So Jesus, thank you so much for all you've done for me. If you pray that for the first time tonight, would you just look me in the eyes real quick? Did anybody do that tonight? Love to be praying for you this week. Awesome. Anybody else? Tonight, just first time, putting your trust in Jesus, receiving his forgiveness and love. God, we thank you for those who have put their trust in you tonight, and we just ask you to draw them so close. Amen. We're going to worship together here, guys, tonight. Let me just say this. If you prayed tonight to accept Jesus, would you do me a huge favor and come talk to me after service or just on the back of a connection card, check off, I recently put my trust in Jesus, or on our app, you can check off the same thing. This way we can help you take next steps. Let's stand together and sing.